First John chapter five. First John chapter five. Starting in verse six, we're going to read through verse twelve. First John chapter five. Starting in verse six, reading through verse twelve. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us this morning as we read and study this text. God, we can't, we can't do anything on our own, Lord, spiritually. We, we, we can't know you. We can't uh, be, even be aware of the need for a Savior without the Holy Spirit illuminating us, waking us up, teaching us. And so we ask that the Spirit would testify this morning to the truthfulness of Jesus Christ and that through the Spirit's work in our hearts, through the text, that we would experience Christ among us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Imagine for a moment that you have been accused of a terrible crime. Let's say it's murder. That's a pretty bad one. And you were, during the murder, with Brian Sessions at a Ravens game. However, Brian has left the country the day after the Ravens game, never knew that you were accused of this murder. He's your one alibi, and nobody can get a hold of him. Now, if you know anything about Brian Sessions, that last part sounds about right. <laughs> because when he was on the plane, he lost his phone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then he got a new one and it broke. <laughs> so then he got another new one and he dropped it in the water. All right. So the point is, your, attor your attorneys are trying to find this Brian Sessions character because he is your one witness and he can't be found. Could you imagine if your entire life hinged on one person's testimony, 
Like, do you realize how important someone's testimony is? Do you realize how important a witness can can be in various court trials and cases? Well, in many ways, our spiritual life hinges upon a testimony. Our spiritual life hinges upon a witness. Do you realize how important this testimony is? Now, the people in John's day to whom he's writing, they are a people who are discouraged. They had some influential people in their church who disagreed with the apostles' teaching. They started teaching someone else. They ended up leaving the church saying, hey, these people, they don't know what they're talking about. And and these influential people now are outside of the church to, to whom he's writing. And the people within the church evidently are left like with confusion. They're left doubting. They're left discouraged. All the while... They're losing everything for this person of Jesus. Like in many cases in the early uh, church, they would be losing houses and family and lands and jobs in order to follow after Christ. And what they're being told is that the person you thought Jesus was never actually existed. The, the, The person that you've given up everything for Uh, He's just a myth. And in the same way, we can be discouraged today. Because Christianity today is just as costly as it ever was. Meaning, Jesus Christ, if He were to, if He were to be here today, The world would not accept him. The world would not think that he's cool. Culture would not get on board with him. Like everybody that always says, oh, I like Jesus, I like Jesus, but I don't like Christians, I don't like the church. Yeah, those people, they would hate Jesus as well. As a matter of fact, he would be killed. And we are followers of Jesus. Which means if we are truly following Jesus, we're probably never going to line up with culture. What I see today happening is people leave the faith and they adopt different forms of the faith because they want culture's amen more than they want the church's amen. Now, if you're going to follow Christ, it's going to be costly. Now, in addition to the costly nature of it, you got folks coming along today saying the person you thought Jesus was never existed. You hear people talking about the Jesus of faith versus the Jesus of history. The Jesus of faith, that's the Jesus that you believe in the Bible. That's the Jesus that's in churches. But the Jesus of history, he was just a man. He might have been a good man. But the church made something out of this man that never actually existed. Does that make sense? And so we're left with this question. Who is Jesus? 
Because we're giving up everything for Christ. Because I've lost friends because of this man, Jesus Christ. Because people have left the church because of what we believe about Jesus. We're lo- we, we lose in this world because of Christ. And now you're going to tell me that the person I've always thought Jesus is never actually existed. And we're left with confusion. We're left with discouragement. We're left with doubts. We're left with skepticism. And we just don't know. And we don't know if he's worth it. Because we don't know if he's legit. That is no different than what John, John's church was facing, that he's writing to. What we need is a credible witness. <laughs> what we need is a, is a reliable testimony. So what I want to talk to you about today is... God's testimony. God's testimony. And that's what John presents here in 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. Look at verse 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in the Son. This is our 16th sermon in this letter, which we call 1 John John writing to these weary Christians, he wants them to have confidence in Jesus Christ. And what he wants them to know is that God has come along with a testimony. They have the witness of God himself. And so therefore they can have complete confidence in Jesus Christ. So let's ask this question. What then is the testimony of God? What is God's testimony? Well, let's look at the text. First, what we see here is that God's testimony of Jesus Christ is historical. We see this in verse 6. God's testimony of Jesus Christ is historical. Have you guys ever heard of the word cathisophobia? It's the fear, it's the fear of sitting. The fear of sitting. Sitting, sitting, S-I-T-T-I-N-G. The fear of sitting down. Imagine if you struggle with cathisophobia. You walk into a room and you look at these chairs and you're like, I don't know. You know, you got to figure out who made this chair, what's the brand. You got to look at the bolts. You got to put some sandbags on there to make sure it's going to hold your weight. Imagine if every chair that you ever came across, you had to do all of that before you sat down. It would cripple you, wouldn't it? You've missed interviews. You've lost your job. You can't even stick around for church because you've got this fear. Skepticism is crippling. Theological skepticism cripples your faith. This idea that we can't ever trust anything. And every single little claim to truth needs to be, every single time I encounter it, fully examined and and questioned and debated and then probably not sat in. What God comes along for us to keep us from this crippling nature, this fear, 
he comes along with some credible witness. God's testimony is historical, meaning he did some things in the past to say, look, true, boom, it's, it's a done deal. Trust, sit, rest. So look at the text here. What we have are a couple witnesses brought forward to testify to the legitimacy of Jesus Christ. If we could imagine a trial scene, the question is, is, is Jesus divine? Is he the divine son of God through whom we have eternal life? David Allen in his book on 1 John, I like how he does this. He turns this passage into a courtroom scene. And, he, and so the, the whole thing is a narrative. And he says, I want to call first, John says, I'd like to call first to the witness stand, water. Now, when have you ever heard of water being called to give testimony? Well, he does. That's what he does. His first witness is water. And it's the water of Jesus' baptism. Did you hear, remember water's in the stand, did you hear a voice when he came up out of the water? voice was it? It was God's voice. No more questions. And the what's going on in this text, there was a man named Serinthus who was an early heretic that claimed that Jesus became God at his baptism. It was false. But that's what he claimed. Jesus took on, he says, the spirit of Christ, the eternal logos, not then divine as he died on the cross. And it, there's a lot of evidence this sort of warped view of Jesus that he Water only. You see that? And I think it would have been clear for, for the readers of his.
just simply baptized in water, but a couple years later he was baptized in blood. And so David Allen, in his, com- in his book, he calls forth now the second witness, and the witness is blood. Could I call the, the blood to the witness stand? The blood sits in the witness stand. And John, the attorney, he asks the blood. In his feet and hands, yes, there were. Did Jesus die on the cross? Yes, he did. That took place. There was an unnatural darkness that came across. From top to bottom and nobody could explain it. these things. Well, the centurion said, truly this man is the Son of God. And what happened, blood, three days later? He rose from the dead. And at that point, everybody gasps in the room. And the attorney says, no more questions. You may take your seat. (laughs) It wasn't just mere man who died on the cross, but this is the eternal Son of God. This is Yahweh incarnate who dies for the sins of our world, and it shakes the earth to the point where the soldier who's overseeing the crucifixion confesses. the scripture I'm thinking I'm thinking of all the signs and wonders that he did throughout with his people of Israel as as they uh, 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 as the floodwaters came as as they crossed the natural course of events and he's changing things up like what if the infinite wanted the finite to know that the infinite truly exists how does he do that well one way he could do that is there's signs of confirmation and that's what we see of Jesus' baptism and in his blood. Psalm 78 verse 4 reads, Tell to the next generation his wondrous works. That's what God's people have always done. They always talk about the wondrous works of God as he brought us out of Egypt and into the land, the wondrous works of God now in the new covenant that he has done through his son, Jesus Christ.
as we are evangelizing, Jaden. As we're evangelizing. What we're doing is we're telling the community the wondrous works of God. Or you could take this literally. If you have children, tell it to the next generation. Tell your kids the wondrous works of God. and receiving and telling the wondrous works of God. And that's what John is trying to get us to see is that God has spoken in history. The testimony of God concerning Jesus Christ is historical, but secondly, it is also personal. We see this also in verse 6 and on into verse 10. God's J.I. Packer, he writes about this time when he was going to be preaching at his church on John 16:14, which says, He will glorify me. Jesus speaking. And Packer. The Spirit brings to Jesus Christ. And he says, I was walking to my church on a winter evening and I turned the corner and I saw the beautiful and he said ah there's my illustration see floodlights In such a way that makes that building look glorious. In such a way that brings... Is it displays, it puts on display details that would otherwise be hidden by the darkness. Jesus, with all of his dignity, showing us all of the beauty, beautiful details that would other be otherwise be hidden because of our spiritual blindness. But, uh, the Spirit, because the Spirit is truth. Why does the Spirit testify to Christ? Well, points to the truth of Jesus Christ. And then there in verse 10, he says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. There's a personal confirmation. Throws the floodlights on Jesus Christ and we see all of his glory. All of his Verse 26, 
He says, when the advocate comes, this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes from me, he will testify about me. Why do you know him? Why do you know the Holy Spirit? Jesus goes on, 14, 17, he says, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Given by God, what we have is an abiding testimony within us. In history, verse 10, whoever believes in the Son has the testimony. In verse 7, I like the summary. For, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these Three, agree. The testimony of God is both historical What is the testimony of God? Where do we see it in the text? A little pop quiz for you. Come on. They, they, they are the witnesses. And what they're witnessing to is in verse 11. This is the testimony, he says. This is the test. This is what God. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Meaning, don't let Serinthus confuse you. Don't let what these people are saying about Jesus sway you from the truthfulness of Jesus Christ. Don't let the YouTube videos and the documentaries and the books and the speeches, don't let them confuse you and throw you off from who Jesus Christ actually is. testimony of man, how much more credible is the testimony of God? For example, let me illustrate it this way. If I were to tell you that yesterday my family and I went to an apple farm. All right, true story. We did. I'm telling you. In Westminster. And then you were to say, hmm, yeah, there are, are there really apple farms? And then you say, you know what I think he means by that? Because I don't want to, like, discredit him. I think he means by that is I think apple is like 
a symbol of New York City. So actually what they did is they went to New York City yesterday. Now, I told you I went to an apple farm. That was my testimony that I gave you. But you don't want to believe it. And you're making me feel like you're calling me a liar. Like, I don't care if you respect me. I don't care if you're trying to get to the essence of what I'm trying to say. Really what you're doing is you're calling me a liar. Because what you're saying is, is what I just told you happened isn't true. Friends, this is what's on stake this morning. True. Are you going to believe it? Look at verse 9. He says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Meaning we generally do believe. Like if I told you I went to an apple farm, you typically would believe me. Right? We typically, and maybe we shouldn't, I don't know, but we typically receive the testimony of men. Like do you know how many court cases have been thrown out because there wasn't an eyewitness? We generally have it in us, we're wired to at least want to believe that someone's testimony is true, which is why we're shocked by a lie. Which is wired that way. We're wired to trust each other. And he's saying if you trust, if you believe that Joel, like you have no proof of it, but you believe that Joel went to an apple farm yesterday because of his testimony, he's saying how much more credible is the testimony of God. And then he gives us his reason in verse 9. He says, for, this is the reason it's more credible. For, this is the testimony of God. I think it's actually the, the, what he's saying. Yes, it's the testimony of God, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, I know he didn't write that, but it's in the Greek. Like, it's, it's just that simple. And then it's the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Meaning he it's that important. It's that real. And it's that great. And it's that credible. And we're left with a decision. We're left with a choice. Do you believe the testimony of God or do you call God a liar? Verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony of himself. Whoever does not believe has made him a liar. In David Allen's narrative, he finally has a man come on to the witness stand and he says, do you believe the testimony that God has given us? And the man says, no, I don't. You're calling God a liar. When we live with this kind of skepticism 
when we live with this, these, this ongoing, I can't fully trust the testimony of God. I just can't. What we're doing is we're calling God a liar, he says. We're not making him a liar literally, but we're, we're, we're making him out to be a liar is the essence of what he's saying there in the text. He just puts it out there. That's why I like John. He wants you to know the truth. Deny Christ. If you don't have Christ, you don't have life. And friends, Christians, it doesn't matter how we feel about that truth. Sometimes truth is true no matter how you feel about it. You can say, well, I don't like that. God than God can do. Got you. Life. Now on the flip side, and I think this is the thrust of John's writing, This the thrust of it is not to create doubt in your soul or anything. God's salvation for you. So that you might have complete confidence in Jesus Christ. So that you might sing with so many saints who have gone. Now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. You have complete confidence in Jesus Christ. Driving down uh, uh, East Capitol Street, and my my phone died, which happens all the time. I feel you, Brian. I'm, I'm always having phone problems too, brother. My phone dies, which is my have, I have my. don't know exactly where I'm going. You guys ever have that dilemma now that we're using these as our GPSs? Was going in the right direction. I ended up at my, uh, my destination on time for my meeting. But the entire 15 minutes on that road, I was worrying. I had no joy in my drive. I had no delight in this journey. You've got no joy in this life because you're just you don't you don't know. You don't have any confidence that you're on the right road. You know you don't have confidence in Christ. You don't have confidence in his word. And and I'm Yeah. Better get my theology straight since we're doing a conference on theology in a couple days. 
I should say this, many with those doubts are in fact genuine Christians. With little comfort on the road. He says, I advise you, instead of looking to singular experiences as a ground of confidence, look at the bleeding Savior and rest alone in Him. For if you have Him, you have eternal life. You see, what the testimony of God is that we have been given is not just factual data about Jesus Christ, but it's personal. The testimony is, is this is who Jesus is, and if you have him, you have eternal life. That's the testimony of God. And so you trust Christ, and you know that you have life. I think of the, the, the Passover. Remember the lamb in, in Egypt? They, they spilled the blood of the lamb, and what do they do with that blood in order to be passed over? They put it on the door. They smear it around the doorpost. What, what, what they were believing, what, or what, what, what they were doing with their time, the way that they were spending their time, the level of assurance they had. How much did the, did the angel of the Lord take that into consideration as the angel of the Lord passed over the house? Nothing. So, like if. Uh, of the angel of the Lord to pass over that house. <laughs> and why is that? Where is your confidence? See, so many of us, were in the house. We've got the blood of Christ on our house, yet we're so concerned with the mistakes we've made. We're so concerned about the feelings that we have. We're so concerned about the argument we had last night. And we're feeling condemned before God. Friends, it's nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Christ. You look to Christ. That's your assurance. You don't look at you don't look at your experiences. You don't look at the prayer that you prayed and how well you meant it. You look to Christ. Amen? Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have such assurance in Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that we have complete confidence in our faith, not because of what we've done but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would give us that kind of assurance enjoy this road knowing that we have been given a testimony from heaven and that testimony is credible. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.